1: Hello and welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking, from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them, and how to try not to F it up, in our very, very humble opinion. I am Giles Alderson, co-writer and director of the Dare feature film and World of Darkness feature documentary and producer of A Serial Killer's Guide to Life. Today we are on Skype to chat to actor, producer and founder of the world's largest online platform for connecting and educating film creatives called Stage 32. His latest screenplay, The Endgame, is in production at Covert Media. Welcome to the show, Rich Botto.
0: Thank you very much, Charles. Great to be here.
1: It's really great to have you on the show. Now you like to be called RB, is that correct? Well,
0: uh, that's my a lot of my friends in the business know me as RB, so that's uh, and people on stage thirty two know me as RB, so uh, I've kind of adopted that.
1: Great, R B it is, we like that. Look, this podcast is all about helping people get off their asses and make their first film or even harder to carry on making films after they've done their first film it's about inspiring them and, and trying to get them to move forward on their next project and make their first one that's what it's about so i want to chat to you today about all things filmmaking and uh, to you to give us your creative insights into all this um but first of all how did you start how did you get started in the business because you've been around a while you've done a lot of great work tell us what's um what was your journey
0: uh the journey really began in on the creative side in New York. I mean I was always interested in writing but it really began with acting uh in theater in New York and I did that for a while and then went off and started a magazine called Razor and and it was a men's lifestyle magazine here in America it was national and uh you know competed against the likes of GQ and Details and during that time Came into contact with uh, a ton of people uh, in the industry, mm-hmm. uh, made a lot of good friends, a lot of good contacts. And, and when Razor wrapped up, kind of moved it into the screenwriting and producing side of things and had a film that was involved with that went to Sundance in 2011 and
1: Amazing.
0: did a bunch. Yeah, did a. It was a great experience, very interesting experience. It Was an indie film that was shot out in Michigan. Um, that uh, Barry Levinson's son, Sam Levinson, wrote and directed, and it was a, you know, it was a great experience. But the, what made it a, a an incredible experience in a lot of ways was meeting all of the, you know, the crew that was local because we had a lot of LA people, obviously above the line, but we had a lot of crew below the line. And, you know, when you work on a a film like that, it's you make a lot of friends and and, but, you know, you kind of go your separate ways. And as the tax incentives dried up in Michigan, um, you know, a lot of people were looking to move to L.A. to try to land on their feet. And that's Mm. kind of partially where the genesis of stage 32 came from. So, you know, the last five or six years have been writing, producing uh. A little bit of acting and uh, running Stage 32, and also this book on film crowdsourcing that just got published, you know, concentrating on that, which is very, very much in line with your mission here of, you know, getting uh, independent filmmakers to. Get out there and make their first films, but to also realize and recognize that, you know, audience building uh, and the business end of uh, knowing the business end of uh, independent film is is almost as important as the craft itself.
1: Totally agree. I think it's vital that when people are first starting out on their journey, that they understand what market they're going into, what they're actually who they're selling it to. And why? Why would anyone want to see their film? There's no point in just going out and making a film unless you know that. It, well, it really helps, basically. It really does. So let's start oh off with with stage thirty-two. It's you know, it's a free social network for people like myself working in the in- industry, you know, or filmmakers, screenwriters, producers, directors, uh, and you can basically search for anything you need. Um, all the jobs, talent, all providers, and everything like that. Tell us, tell us more about it. Tell us, you know. Why should people get involved? Why should people jump on it? Because I'm on it, and I love it. I think it's great. Uh,
0: well, I'm happy <laughs> to hear that. Uh, well, I mean, the reason that people should get on it is they, you know, you need to help yourself. And I mean, this business is about contacts, which mm. is one of the reasons why I started the platform. I, I believe that there was a need for a niche social need, uh, social media site that the broad based social media sites were just too broad for people for creatives. Mm. Uh, so, uh, you know, I started it about five six years ago. Uh, went out to a hundred of my industry friends and said, "Look, you know, this is what I'm looking to do." Showed them the concept. Most of them took to it right away and understood what I was going for. Some of them needed some convincing because they were so trained just to be on Facebook and yeah. Twitter and all that. But eventually, they came around, and uh, we, you know, we've gone from a hundred of my friends in the business to five hundred, over five hundred thousand worldwide. And we've added a, a huge educational uh, component to it, which is another thing that's near and dear to my heart or another uh, area that's near and dear to my heart. So we spent about two to three years cultivating relationships, not just in Hollywood, but throughout the world with people who, people in the industry who are doing it right now and who are at the forefront of this sort of independent revolution, not only in production, but in distribution as well, and you know, in, in digital and the streaming platforms. And we, we cultivated these relationships, and then a few years back, we turned on our education, and now we have over about 1,200 hours of uh, education on the site, webinars, classes, labs, things of that nature, along with probably another1,000 hours of free content, not to mention about 1,200 blogs that mm. we've So there's just a, a plethora of content. And education, but of course, the core of where we began is the networking. You know, and um, to me, it all begins with networking.
1: Yes, yeah, it is. It is absolutely vital who you know as well, um, and who, who you come into contact with. And it, there's just something that's lovely that's on your website, and I'm going to read it out because I think it's really nice. To have success, you need to surround yourself not only with extremely talented creators but true collaborators. I think it's a it's it's a really lovely quote and. Mm-hmm. I really like it. And I think it's so true. I think the people who you surround yourself with can only drive you on. If you surround yourself with people who are bringing you down all the time or say, oh, you can't do that. What's the point trying to make the film? Or I'm tired. I don't want to do it. don't want to write today. Then you will bring yourself down too. Whereas if you're Uh, around people who are busy and on it and want to make films, then it inspires you, right?
0: uh, No question. And I Mm. think that, you know, we, we do a lot of our work in isolation and, you know, and then we kind of go out and collaborate. And it's so important to be able to not only have a support system of like-minded people who are, you know, pursuing the same, are on the same path and pursuing the same dreams. But I think it's also vitally important for creators to find people who are like-minded that they want to work with, because there is something to be said about finding your tribe and finding people that you want to go back to the well with over and over and over again. And you see this on the big scale. I mean, you see uh, you know Scorsese working with the same editor for you know since day one. You yeah. see uh, Spielberg working with the same cinematographer mostly. Um, mm-hmm. You know people like to go back. There's a comfort level. There's a shorthand that develops, and people like to work with not only people that could be trusted, but that share that sort of vision and. That all begins with networking. That all begins with being out there and being visible and being present and being collaborative yourself, and most importantly, being selfless. Coming from a place of, of selflessness as opposed to selfishness, which in this narcissistic social media world is mm-hmm. is you know some people just take that on because they see what everybody else is doing. But the the people I've succeed, I've seen succeed. The quickest and the best, I guess, you know, for lack of a better way of putting it in this business are the people who always come from a place of selfishness and and give them give of themselves first before
1: asking. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree with that. They're the ones you want to work with the most as well. Uh, They're the ones you're, you're begging to come and work on your productions or whatever. And, you know, it's so important. It's so nice. Yeah. Um, so, so how would you suggest people build a career in the film business? And obviously yours is from the American side as opposed to the UK side, but it's still the same thing. It's all about building that career. What would you suggest? What, what's your thoughts behind all this?
0: Well, I, I do, you know, I, I do believe it begins with networking, but I think what's changed over the last three to four years is that, you know, it, it's no longer the American business, the the UK business, you know, yeah. the, the uh, China business even anymore. It is a global business. And I, I kind of get a kick sometimes out of people on stage 32 who say, oh, I'm getting network requests from. Producers in, you know, South Africa. I, yeah, you know, why the yeah. hell would I want to connect with them? And I say, if you don't know why the hell you don't want to, you want to connect with them, you don't understand the business right now. Exactly. You, sh- yeah. you need to be connecting with everybody. The world is wide open. The the opportunities are greater than they've ever been, especially with the advent of digital and, and obviously the streaming platforms who are looking for more and more content. Netflix announcing a couple of days ago that they're throwing however many billions into original content. Indeed. You need to have content. You need to have contacts everywhere. So to me, it all begins about, you know, I always say that I look at it like this. 50% of my job on any given day is to create or to handle my business. If, if I'm producing something, if I'm, if I'm writing, then to be writing. And the other 50% is to be networking. And you know, I am proof positive that stage 32 works. I mean, the movies that I've produced, every one of them, the ones that I have in development right now, uh, the screenplays, my manager, everything has come from and been derived from uh, relationships I've made on stage 32. And, and I work it like everybody else should work it. I, you know, I treat it like a job. I treat networking like a job. And if you treat your creativity like a job, and you can you can fashion yourself in a in a, mentally to understand that your networking is a job you'll do it you'll take the time to spend an hour a day to be out there networking and again to be visible and present and uh and active and you'll reap the rewards
1: absolutely yeah totally let's talk about your first um foray into filmmaking with with producing Tell us how that happened. So obviously you, you, sort of, you skipped over it quite nicely. Um, so it's like, yeah, then I just produced a film. And, you know, a lot of people out there dying to make a film or have made films that don't know how to make the next one. Um, what was your process there? How did you actually get on set? How did it happen? How did you raise the money on that first film?
0: Well, it, it really, it kind of was bred out of a failure, which is, which is something that I always think is a lesson in this business. I don't want to call it a failure because, I mean, mm. I mean projects fall apart all the time. But I, do, yeah. I was involved... I had been asked to uh, produce a film, a friend of mine had written a screenplay and he asked me to come on board, uh, you know, just by virtue of some of the relationships that I had uh, to help put this film together. And at the time, this was, you know today this film would probably be an indie film, But back then, this was something that the studios would make. We're talking only you know, maybe eight, nine years ago, but it is still something that a studio wanted to make. I won't say which studio, but the studio got involved, and they were very interested. and it was going to be a thirty million dollar film. and we wow. had two a list two a list stars attached and We were really happy. We were ready to go. And what happened was we had – the studio was giving us most of the money, but we needed to get a little bit more. And time was drifting on and drifting on and drifting on. And then finally one of the stars said, I don't want to wait anymore. I have other things I need to do. And he backed out. And then uh, the uh, actress, the lead actress backed out because he backed out. And all of a sudden we were dead. And we learned a lot of lessons throughout that because you know there was some warring between uh, you know some of the producers and differences of opinion on uh, the creative path of this film and and it really shouldn't have been it was it was a it was an example of which happens so often in this business of people getting in their own way after they've already crossed sort of the crucial threshold of having the right people involved and having a good chunk of the money in, that's not a time to be battling over creativity or, or creative paths. So when the, when the film that ended up going to Sundance came to me, it was, it was actually, the script wasn't quite ready yet. I didn't know if I really wanted to be involved. I, to be honest, I didn't love it at that time. Um, there were some people involved. The, pers- the, the producer that brought me in ultimately didn't end up being involved with the film, which is another thing that just happens in this business. It was probably a two year path until the script got to where everybody really, really liked it. And then it was a matter of me coming in to help a little bit with the script and some of the creativity and give my input there a little bit to help bring some of the financing in. And, you know, ultimately with this particular one, I kind of came in a little bit I kind of came in about midway through because at the beginning, I didn't think I really wanted to be a part of it. And then once I saw it coming together and again, I saw all the champions that we keep talking about champions that uh, Sam Levinson had on his side, people like Ellen Barkin and Demi Moore and Thomas Hayden Church and people who were really believing in his vision and believing in the, uh, the path of this thing. uh, That's when I really wanted to get involved. So it, you know, every, one of these projects is extremely different you know sometimes you come in day one sometimes you come in a little bit later um i have a little bit of a reputation as a problem solver so sometimes i get to come in a little bit later and you know try to get some things right that maybe aren't working quite uh the way people had hoped or intended but uh, this one, I came in, you know, about midway through, and it was, you know, it was an interesting experience on the business side. Not everything went exactly the way that we hoped it would. Uh, creatively, it went better than I would have ever thought it would have. Um, the film is very, very good, and um, I think it actually played better on screen than it did on paper in a lot of ways. But uh, it was an interesting experience, but every single one of them is different. Every one of them is a different thing. I did a documentary where I came in very late in the game, and I'm about to do an indie film where I, you know, I was in day one. So uh, it just every, every film, every situation has its own sort of course that it takes. Um, but again, I think the thing that has given me the advantage to be able to capitalize on a lot of these opportunities uh, is knowing the business and making it a job for me to know the business, I'm I, I'm reading the trades every morning. I treat that like part of my job as well. Uh, I know what's going on in the business. I'm constantly asking people, you know, what they know, what's happening, you know. And you have to, you have to know what's going on. You have to know the landscape, and you have to know. You know, like again, as I said earlier, this this rapidly changing business—you need to know what's happening on almost a daily basis.
1: Yeah, agree. Uh, that film was called Another Happy Day, right? And yes. this was, yeah, yep. Ellen Barkin starred in it, but Miller as well, and uh, Thomas mm-hmm. Hayden Church and Kate Bosworth. um It's yeah, it's it's a great achievement, even on the budget that you made it for to get these kind of cast involved um, uh, and Sam Levinson's obviously a great director as well so I'm sure he could pull them in but yeah, uh, yeah. he's a
0: uh, guy and you know, he, you know I think he would be the first to admit he's actually doing another film right now I think he'd be the first to admit that Every one of these movies is, you know, a learning experience. Nothing ever goes exactly the way you would hope it would go, no matter the best intentions of everybody. And, you know, you're going to have your ups and downs. And, uh, you know, you, you certainly carry everything onto the next film, but that doesn't mean that the next film is going to be uh, any better sometimes. It's just that you have to go in. And that's another reason why, going back to something that we touched on earlier, that's another reason why people – in this day and age are so anxious to find their tribe because the more constants you have from film to film, even on the business side of things, the smoother it should go because everybody kind of understands each other and where they want to be and what their intentions are and everything. So, and what their goals are. So that's uh, another reason why it's so important to have all these various avenues going at the same time the networking the education of what's you know happening in the business and the education of your craft and uh you know treating every part of it like it's a business
1: i love that i think it, i think it absolutely true if you can keep that tribe with you those the core team because then you do understand each other you you know what the pitfalls are and the ups and downs and i totally agree with that let's talk a little bit about the end game which is your screenplay now i take it you've written quite a lot of screenplays over the time uh hmm so yeah, tell us a little bit about this, and tell us what what the process was for you to actually write it, because you know how difficult it can be to sit in your room on your own and and write something and then let it out into the world. It's difficult. What was your What was your process behind that?
0: It's really that's a great question, and this was by of all the scripts that I've written, this was by far the most difficult one and the one that took me the longest because you have to get to this. Yeah, you have to get to the end of this movie. And be able to watch it again and see that the con – all look back on it and see that the con is airtight. Yes, exactly. see that exactly. there's absolutely yeah. no holes, okay? Like you don't want anybody poking holes in this thing. So it really was a puzzle. And there were plenty of times where I felt like I painted myself into a corner and I'm like, well, shit. Like, you know, how – how does that make sense or how does that work or whatever? And you have to kind of go back and, and retrace. And, you know, I'm not a huge index card guy. I have my, everybody has their own method. And, mm-hmm. and my, my method really is to kind of internalize it, walk around, jot down some notes. I'm one of those guys that, you know, will have 60 pieces of scrap paper and 20 word documents open and somehow it's control chaos and it works for me. <laughs> but it's, um, it took me a long time to get it to the point to get that third act rolling, right? I knew how I wanted it to end. I knew what the big scene was going to be towards the end, but how do I, how do I get there where it's totally airtight? And there, yeah. and there was a time, you know, I got, to think, and you say, so who, how did you bounce it off people? Well, I really didn't. I just kept bouncing it off of myself. And it, it's, again, this is me. I don't recommend this for everybody. I, I just have this way of internalizing it until I'm ready to show it to somebody. And it was really interesting because I showed it to a bunch of people, and there were some tweaks, but not really so much. There were more character tweaks than plot tweaks, and then like three, four months later, after like 10 or 15 people had read it, somebody came to me, and who had read it like three times, came to me and said, but wait, why, I just realized something, why does that happen? Wouldn't they have figured that out? And I was like, holy (laughs) shit, nobody else recognized that, I didn't recognize that, and I had to go in and make that change. But it's you know the, the the long answer that is a long answer. The short answer <laughs> is that I I like to I like the process of kind of working through it myself. I, I I like the process of going through the rewrite process myself. I don't let people read my first draft um, ever. And okay. but I do try. One thing I do try to do as a writer is. And I've done this more with recent scripts than previous. I I do try to write a very loose outline, even if it's only the first act. And it's usually a stream of consciousness kind of thing. Um, Maybe sometimes it's even just bullet points going into the second and third act. And what I try to – and so I try to make sure my first draft – my first drafts have never, ever – been for a feature i've never been longer than 125 pages i won't do that 190 page draft. yeah i, I agree
1: yeah yeah i um, totally agree who's going to sit and read that it's a first draft as well Oh, well, yeah. and
0: it's also it's not only who's going to sit and read it but how it's it's that much more work i think to whittle it down sometimes you, sometimes it's that much harder to kill your darlings when you have 65 extra pages of darlings or 75 extra pages of darlings and you mm-hmm. sit there and go goes where characters go you know i try to eliminate that before i ever write fade in
1: yeah that's that's really interesting Yeah, i'm saying i I don't like to give someone a script when it's 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 that long or it's yeah it's too much to wade through you're totally right get it to a tight place where you're ready to show someone and then they can give constructive feedback rather than look trim it down a bit because it's unlikely they're going to read it twice especially friends or whatever that you're sending them to um let's let's talk about your book and then we'll come back around sure. to more filmmaking stuff. Look, this is crowdsourcing book. It's, uh, it's called Crowdsourcing for Filmmakers. It's really worth a read. It's fantastic. Do you want to tell us more about it, and then we can chat in, in depth?
0: Sure, yeah. I mean, it was bred from a talk that – or a panel I did at, at the American Film Market AFM – back in about 2014. And, and one of the reasons why uh, Jonathan Wolf, who runs AFM, wanted to do it, him and I had a conversation and we were talking about the fact that people really don't understand in this day and age. And Jonathan's always ahead of the curve. He sees it all because, you know, obviously he runs this market, but he saw sort of the digital revolution coming and, and the uh, the influencers and the newer content creators actually being heard. And really he understood that a lot of this begins with audience building. A lot of this begins with finding your crowd and being able to bring that crowd with you as sort of proof of not only your brand, but the brand of your project, projects. Now, the big thing is, of course, everybody confuses crowdsourcing with crowdfunding.
1: Indeed, and yes.
0: I, It's amazing because the book says crowdsourcing for filmmakers and people will still be me, congratulating me on my crowdfunding book. <laughs> and it's amazing. And even after we give talks, and that was really the amazing thing at AFM as well. We spent about 45 minutes... Uh, you know, doing the panel and, and they had given me an, an, iPad to take, uh, message, uh, questions from the, from the audience. And I'm sitting there about 45 minutes in and I'm getting all these questions in and the questions are about crowdfunding. And I'm like, whoa, this is, they're not getting this. It's not really connecting. Mm-hmm. And as soon as we got off the stage, I got approached by, uh, focal press, um, who's sort of the leader in the film education space. I think they own about 65% of the education space for film uh, film creatives, you know, screenwriters, actors, you name it, producers, film financiers. And they asked me to write a book on film crowdsourcing. I kind of pushed them off for like a year simply because I didn't think I was going to have the time. And then finally I agreed to do it. And I, I, one of the reasons I just agreed to do it was I kept seeing the confusion out there for one, but for two, it really is more important than ever. I mean, this idea of being able to bring a crowd with you as proof is so vitally important. I see it every day in this business. I see managers who will, you know, or managers, agents, producers, film financiers who will turn down decent content sometimes in, in, and, and take on the same type of content if it already has sort of a built in audience. So whereas people used to, only be interested in existing IP and the audience you could bring with ex- existing IP, mm-hmm. now you're seeing managers, agents, producers, film financiers get involved with with uh, creators and content where the existing IP essentially is the audience you're bringing with you. So the book is really all about how do you identify, engage, and move an audience on behalf of you and your projects. Um, it also does include two... Uh, for those who are going to be disappointed, it's not about crowdfunding. It does it does have <laughs> two chapters on crowdfunding because the fundamental aspect of a successful crowdfunding campaign is crowdsourcing. And the reason why so many crowdfunding campaigns fail is because people just hit that launch button and and think that their own brilliance and their own great idea or maybe their own reputation as they see it is going to carry the day and get them the financing that they're looking for. But the reality of the situation is I would – say without argument, and I've talked to, you know, I have a great friend who's the head of film at Indiegogo, uh, about this and and he agrees. I mean, probably 95 to 98% in our opinion, and certainly in his, um, of successful crowdfunding campaigns have about anywhere from one to six months of crowdsourcing, uh, uh, performed before the launch, before the launch buttons ever hit. So you know, I ask people all the time when they tell me about their films, you know, I speak at a lot of festivals and I get to meet a lot of people and they'll tell me about their projects. And, I'll, and a, very often, my first question will be, who's the audience for this project? And you'd be amazed, probably over 50% of the time, you'll hear everyone. Yeah, I think everyone yes. will love this. And I'm like, if you think everyone love this, you're, you know, you're name insane. one film in the history of You're insane. Mm-hmm. So the question becomes, how do you identify who that audience is? How do you go out and... Uh, get to those people? How do you engage them to be champions of you? And usually if you're a first time filmmaker, by the way, it's the brand of the project before it's going to be the brand of you because you have proving to do. Yes. So then I, they're not really interested in the project of, of the brand of you. They're interested in the brand of your project. So how do you engage those people and yes. how do they eventually become boots on the ground? How do they eventually become the army that carries the message of you and your project? Because the army is so much more powerful than you. The voice of you is the voice of you telling people how great you are. And think about the last time somebody walked up to you and told you how great they were and how (laughs) probably turned away and went, yeah, okay. But if somebody else, if a trusted source, if one of your friends comes over and says, hey, You know this guy is fantastic. You're going to listen because that's a trusted source. Well, how do you get an army of trusted sources to carry the message for you? So it's an entire book on that subject, and along with you know historical, uh, a historical look at crowdsourcing and uh, examples of crowdsourcing through the ages, but much more importantly, also three film-related case studies significant case studies. One is a feature, one's a short, one is a documentary that utilize crowdsourcing in a way to become immensely successful. And it's not just about crowdsourcing an audience. It's about crowdsourcing um, content. It's about crowdsourcing uh, equipment. It's about crowdsourcing materials. It's about crowdsourcing in a way to, to give your crowd ownership and an investment in the film. And I mean by an investment, I mean an emotional investment mm-hmm. and attachment. Um, it's all about, it's about all those things. And, uh, to me, and I'm not just saying this because I I wrote the book, I just think it is really one of the most important topics and one of the most misunderstood topics out there. And the people that do get it are the people that are winning the day right now in this business. And there's no question about it. I also do some case studies, just so you know, it's not all independent and amateur. I also do some case studies on a small level of you know independent films that you guys have seen in theaters from bigger directors as well that use some element of crowdsourcing to uh engage and move a crowd on their behalf you know so far the response has been fantastic which i'm thrilled by
1: yeah and you should be i I love that um phrase boots on the ground i think that's vital that you need your uh, the tribe is quite you know uh, alex Ferraro uses that quite a lot The, the tribe having your team around you and and i think that's so important um i know you can't tell us too much obviously people should read the book but maybe you can give us a couple of tidbits um a couple of little moments sure sure
0: yeah i I think you know for the case studies for example you know uh, Mm -hmm. the the feature they used they were able to crowdsource locations just by virtue of uh winning over champions in the state government it was it's a really really interesting story they needed the script required government buildings, which of course are not easy to obtain, especially on a shoestring budget, but they found a way to win the government basically over, members of the government over and members of the Chamber of Commerce Commerce over in a a way that was mutually beneficial that the Chamber of Commerce got behind and and, uh, various members of the government got behind the film to promote it. it. It's a really, really interesting story about how they were able to crowdsource these locations in the short, there is a great anecdote about how you know they they only had I think thirty thousand dollars for the short, which I say only that's pretty good for a short. But Just they show, but you yeah. know, but they had it was a am- really ambitious short. They didn't have the money to get the equipment they wanted. They were able to crowdsource the equipment. It's fascinating what you can get done when you basically say to your crowd, you're a partner in this, you're a part of this. And it takes a lot of skill, and it takes a lot of finessing, and it takes a lot of listening, and it takes a lot of engagement. It is work, and that's why a lot of people don't like putting in the work and putting in the time. I'm fortunate to be in a position where I get to do some consulting, and I could tell 10 minutes in – You know, when I start asking questions, who's gonna, you know, who's gonna go the long, the long distance? Who's gonna, who's gonna be in it for the long haul, and who's gonna jump out, you know, at the beginning? Because it is work, and it does take time, but it is rewarding as hell when it works right, and and you will reap the benefits. You will reap the
1: rewards. Totally agree, and you're so right. It's really hard making movies. It's just really hard, but there are rewards, and it is wonderful. We kind of, well, we did do this with a serial killer's guide to life, which I helped produce for Stanton Cousins Row and we crowdsourced this we got uh, lots of free locations you know we we really worked hard to to get some boots on the ground if you like people were mm. you know involved in the film like look this, you're part of this and that's wonderful when you do that and you go actually we can make this for a very low budget because we're asking people and people are actually willing to help. People do want to get involved. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with it. Look, the book is Crowdsourcing for Filmmakers. It is on Amazon and probably many other places. But do check it out. I think it's a wonderful book. It's you know, how to get your message across of your brand and to get your tribe involved. A um, couple of other questions for you, if you don't mind. Sure. What makes a good low budget film? It's a tough one, but I thought I'd throw it out at you to see what your, your thoughts were on it.
0: Well, I think I think low budget or, or big budget, I think it really all comes down to story, right? I mean, yes, yes. I think at the end of the day, I think, you know, I there's been a million different people who have given different versions of, of this, you know, phrase, but it all begins with the script or the sentence or the statement. Um, to me, it really does. I think everything is story. I think, you know, after story of course comes execution of that story. You know, there are a million things that that have to go right to make a film look fantastic. I saw a short recently that I absolutely loved the script, but they hired the wrong actors. It just wasn't it just, it just wasn't right. Work. Mm. It didn't work. And and so so to me, it you know, you you could have the story, but you you need to have the execution as well. But I really do believe it begins with the story. I mean, there are I I guess there are examples where You know, there are certain studio films in this day and age that are bulletproof that people are going to go to see some of these franchises, no matter how ludicrous and ridiculous the story is. That's not me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But if you're making a small budget indie and you want people to be engaged and look, like we've been saying for the last, you know, a half hour or so, there is so much content being created today. And that's another reason why the crowdsourcing uh, part of this is so important is that, you know, how do you stand out from the crowd? Yes. Yes. you know, so it it's and there are a lot of people making great films, great independent films, shorts, everything. But sometimes they, again, they don't bring the audience. So the, so the audience isn't out there telling every, it's not getting reviewed. It's not getting, people aren't going online and telling people that they need to see it. They don't have those boots on the ground. Sometimes it's picking the wrong distributor. Sometimes it's picking the wrong path. I've seen people create great, great work and go out and hire a sales agent that they just kind of almost like pick out of a phone book for lack of a better way of putting it, instead Mm -hmm. of doing the research, you know, it's, it's, you can't shortchange yourself in any area of this. It's no, it's, it's not enough to make great content anymore. You have to make great content that's going to be seen. And part of that has to be that when you're thinking about the project at the beginning, you're thinking about a, who's the audience? How do I engage them? How do I move them? Then B, how am I going to get the film out there? You know what I mean? What am I going to do when this is done? You should be thinking about that from the beginning. Am I going the festival route? And if that doesn't work, what am I going to do after that? Am I going to not go the festival route and try to just go straight to the platforms? And if mm-hmm. I do, who's going to facilitate that? You need to have all these things in play because, you know, a great independent film that has, doesn't have an audience is like, you know, the proverbial tree falling in the forest with nobody around.
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely yes story's key uh, and yes moving forward we took it
0: all we brought them to our land an endless night ember hot and icy cold the rage of the earth we made this curse carved it in the blood on our backs we did not see we could not but she did
1: and in the end what will i become
0: Senwa Saga.
1: Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. Relax. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. What is it that you'd like to see?
0: It's it's a great question because I, I get probably solicited, even though I, I even on stage thirty two. If you go to my DM it says, please do not send me material send me if you wanted to here. say, yeah, because if, you know the problem is is that first of all, I want you. To know me a little bit. I want you to build a relationship with me. Like I've been saying all throughout this call, everything begins with relationships. So when people hit me up on Instagram, private messages, or Twitter, and they're not even following me, or they've never had a moment engagement with me, or like I post an article that's been written, and they're like, that's great, check out my film, or thanks for the follow, look at this it gets instantly ignored. It just does. It's, I don't have a relationship with you. You are not trying to put the effort forward. There's a great antidote in the book about a, an Oscar winning, uh, screenwriter director, uh, at the Austin film festival where this happened, where one person came up and gave him the look at me approach and he just eviscerated them. And the next person came up and t- asked him a question about one of his biggest flops. And they, be- and they became not only fast friends, not only did he help her with her, you know, her career, but, he bounces scripts, he bounces ideas off of her now. It's, it's pretty fascinating. It's a great story, but it's, it, it encapsulates exactly what I'm talking about. If you're going to bring, if a project's going to come to the table, I need really a couple of things. One, I'd like to know that we've had some sort of contact before, and you're at least trying to build a relationship with me. Two, I want to know that, you know, I have to look at it, and the story has to be in place, and everything needs to look pretty, pretty good. The third thing, though, that I love to see, and again, in this day and age, this is where it's very, very different than maybe it was five years ago, is I'd like to know that you at least have some understanding of the business and or that you're bringing something to the table. Do you have a director in mind? Are there some, is there some financing in place? Are, like, Don't come to me expecting me to carry everything because there are a million projects out there where I could carry everything. Mm. Uh, what can you bring to the table or what do you bring to the table? And sometimes, by the way, It's you've done a short that has a gazillion views on uh, YouTube or something, or your social media account has 50,000, you know, followers or whatever. You're bringing an audience, at least you're bringing something to the table. And to me, that's really, really important. And I, and I, you know, I don't want to undersell that. I have literally been, let me take it a different way with actors. Okay. I have, I've been in a casting room and I was in one recently for a friend's film where, he asked me to sit in. At the end, they were down to two actresses, and both of them were fantastic. They mm-hmm. were amazing. They both had completely different takes on the part. Neither one was wrong. In fact, they were both so intriguing. And I kind of turned around and said, you know, I turned, to the, turned to, them, uh, and to the producers, and I said, I wish I could be of more help. I go, I don't I don't know. And ultimately, it came down to who had the biggest social following. Uh, wow. and that's that's yeah. the day and age that we live in. They yeah. were both equally great. They didn't pick one strictly because of that, you know. I mean, like they didn't pick somebody with lesser talent because they had a social. They, they, Mm -hmm. you know, the room was split, and that was the deciding vote. And uh, so, I, I just, I can't stress that enough. You know, the more you can bring to the party. Uh, the more likely you're going to have a seat at the table.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, it, it is important to have a social media presence. And people do shy away from it a little bit. It's, it's certainly older actors, maybe that's fair enough. But the younger generation really should be on it and doing their best to really push themselves because it, it does make a difference.
0: And the older generation brings you know, if, if they've been doing it for a long time, they should at least bring reputation. And they will bring an audience by virtue of their reputation. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different. But if you're just starting out and you're looking to break in, You know, you need to do everything you can to, you know, again, be able to bring value. I always say, with every project, with every interaction, everything you do, the first thought is what value am I bringing? Always bring value. The Mm. more you can bring value, the more you're going to have results. The more people are going to take to you, the more people are going to want to be involved with you, and the more people are going to want to give to you. But you have to come from a place where you're bringing value first.
1: Love it. Arby, this has been an absolute delight. Finally, I mean, to be honest, we've been given advice this whole time, but it is one of my questions, so I'm going to ask you. Maybe this is for someone really starting out. Advice. What advice would you give someone who's starting? Maybe someone who wants to be a director. Let's go in that route. Well, I think go out and
0: make content. There's no reason not to be out there shooting. There's no excuses. Obviously, you can shoot something on your phone, so there's Mm -hmm. no excuses not to be out there shooting content. Even if it's very, very short form, go out there and shoot it. Obviously, you know from the business standpoint, understand what's going on in the industry. If you're looking to, if you have shot something and you're looking to find the home for it, make sure that if you're approaching managers, agents, producers, financiers, et cetera, that you understand, what their background is, and that you're not bringing, like, let's say, uh, a comedy to somebody that only does horror. That like, sure. you need to know that it's very, very important. I mean, it seems obvious, but man, you'd be amazed. <laughs> I always tell people, Google is your friend. You know, get on Google. go ahead and get on. It's so easy to find that information. IMDb Pro, of course, I think nine bucks a month or whatever it mm-hmm. costs. You know, to be able to see what everybody does. Um, absolutely, be out there. You know, from a business standpoint, absolutely be out there, networking and building relationships understand everything that's going on in the business. I mean, really, those are the things that will help you succeed. And, of course, you know, from a creative standpoint, as we said throughout this thing, you know, try to find your tribe. Try to find people that are really willing to, you know, at the beginning when you're shooting for a low budget or maybe no budget and everybody has to work for free because they're trying to build up their, you know, their resumes and everything like that. You really want to work with people who you like and people who are going to come back and understand that if we do a good job with this one, there will be a next one and that one, you know, we might get paid on, you know, so... Yeah. uh those are all small nuggets of advice that create a hole that will lead to success
1: love it yeah i was very lucky with my film the dare that i've just shot over at new Boyana in bulgaria that i was able to bring my cinematographer across with me and it was you know we had that shorthand and that you know we knew he knew what i was talking about and i knew what he meant and that was a really big difference when you're in a country that you don't speak the language of um it's vital that you have though that team around you you trust i think that's great yeah no um, so we can get your book, Crowdsourcing for Filmmakers, Indie Film on the Power of the Crowd at Amazon. And do check out Stage 32. If you're not already on it, which you should be, if you're listening to this podcast, it is vital. It is up your streets. So much information. Where can people follow you, R.B., t- in terms of social? Since we've talked about social media quite a bit, I take it you've got Twitter. Yes, of course.
0: Yeah. yeah <laughs> more around, more around, more around. Um, well, you know, on Stage 32, when you do sign up, and again, it is a free site. I don't gain anything by you coming on. Mm-hmm. You really for yourself. Uh, you will get a welcome message from me on your wall. I respond to everyone who signs up. That is me. You'll, and in fact, on all my social if you see. Me posting or responding or commenting on anything, it's it's it is me. I don't have a staff that does that for me. Um, wow,
1: that's pretty allow, pretty impressive. No, I won't
0: allow it. I won't allow it. It has to be my voice and it has to be my thoughts. So you will get a response from me at some point. It's, private messages are a little bit different because I get so many of them, but mm-hmm. publicly, you know, my in on certainly on the wall of stage thirty two and certainly on Twitter and Instagram, you will hear from me. So my Twitter is my Twitter and Instagram are the same. It is just RB, my initials, R B. Walks into a bar, exactly how it sound <laughs> RB walks into a bar. Um and yeah, please do follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm always around and trying to post relevant content and, and uh inspire and motivate where I can.
1: I love that. You can follow me at Giles Alderson on Twitter and you can follow the filmmakers podcast at filmmakers pod or go to the filmmakerspodcast.com if you have any questions, anything you want to ask me at all, then do email giles at fijiproductions.com. Do get them in. The next show is out next Tuesday, as always. Um, being prepared is everything. You can make your indie film, know who your audience is, and get out there and do it. And remember, if you're lucky enough to do well and rise up, it's your duty to send the elevator back down. So, RB, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. We'll be speaking very soon.
0: Giles, it was fantastic. Thank you for all the insightful questions of having me on.
1: Pleasure. Take care now.
0: Thank you.